Hey peeps, welcome to another episode of No Me Digas, No Me Digas. In this episode, I visit my dear friend Chris Garza, aka La Bruja, at his apartment. And we discuss what it's like, or what it was like growing up in Texas, and what it's like being queer in Minnesota. And also, side note, forgive all the background noise. We were in his apartment and it was really hot, so we had to keep the windows open. But it's okay, it adds to the ambiance. So tune in, have a listen, and as always, I thank you for your support. Okay, bye. Chris Garza, welcome to No Me Digas. Um, first off, you fucking bitch, I haven't seen you in months. <laughs> I saw you <laughs> last week, but before then... How did how, how does that work? I haven't seen you in months, but I saw you last week. Let me go ahead and rephrase this. <laughs> I saw you last week, but before then, mm-hmm. it's it was been a while. When was yeah. the last time? I don't even remember. Mm. I don't even know. It could not have been... Co- I mean, I see you around, but... I think the last quality thing we did was Coco, and you were the perfect person. That was like to years, see that with. Well, thank you. Likewise, that was yeah. years ago. Not years, years. Now we're gonna we can even be Google this, can't we? <laughs> but I feel like that was like the last like nice full day of like yeah. getting our eyebrows threaded and oh my spending God. time yes. and catching up and getting our eyebrows threaded. <laughs> <laughs> I know mine are bushy Oh my god, I need to go back. But <laughs> you live so close to uh, the global market though. I do That's, live close. You should get your eyebrows done. That's where I get my eyebrows oh, done. We could do we could do dates there now. Oh my god, yes, that'd be amazing. Yay, we're getting our eyebrows done. Perfect. Gotta get the business out of the way first. Like the important <laughs> exactly. upkeep. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> So now, yeah. <laughs> now that we got that settled, <laughs> so talk to me about Chris Garza. Who is Chris Garza? Oh, that's the that's the question on everyone's lips. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, yep. I am a, uh, in in the sense of like what I spend most of my time doing these days. I'm an arts administrator for a nonprofit called Upstream Arts, and we do. Um, Arts education for folks with disabilities, they're super great, and I'm their kind of full-time operations person, which, you know, which is super great and exciting, um, but it's also, like, that's my day job, and they're fantastic people. And then I'm a artist about town, I do theater things, um, I have assistant directed at fancy places like the Guthrie and scrappy places um and I used to very much be the like a on a circuit of working gig to gig and Mm. doing anything and everything that anyone could pay me um to do and I kind of fell into a niche of uh production management for small theater companies um and I'm a director I direct things every now and then as well so that's Mm. who I am I'm from San Antonio Texas I'm a Tejano like you are Tor yeah that's how we met. That is how we met. We're we're both gay and Mexican and from Texas, so of yeah. course we had to be friends. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I remember we did queer Toka together years ago. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah. And we joked about how like oh if if something happens to this building like <laughs> we're out like the, the queer Mexican <laughs> of Minnesota yeah. would be uh, non existent. There's, yeah. only, there's only two of us. Yeah, so we have to like 
we have to be precious when right. the two of us are together. Right. We are not, safe. We're not allowed to be in the same place at the same time no. because at least one of us has yeah. to make it. We can't take planes together. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, so talk to me about San Antonio. Like, huh? what was it like growing up in San Antonio, being queer? Mm. Uh, I think about I think about that often because like so much of uh, the kind of like queer narrative that we see in like B budget gay films or the media is all you know it's, it's all very white centered and oh, yeah. a specific kind of like beautiful twink boy or successful lawyer you know it's all very like you know a specific kind of yeah thing and this is of course beyond like the introduction of like queerness and like culture was like the villain right the like yeah. sad man who died of aids or a, yeah. you know the, the bitchy friend or something mm-hmm. um and i feel like in my youth being queer in san antonio i grew up on the south side there's no neighborhoods in San Antonio. It's all just like north side, east side, south side. And the south side is a bit of a, a ghetto. Um, that's like the, the more Latino culture there. Um, and I like my high school, I looked up the demographics recently. It was like 99%, you know, Latino. Mm. And I think I somehow dodged a lot of the like bullyism, like not bullyism, like the being bullied because. Um, my so there was there was there were kids that were like bullied at, you know or for being femme or overtly gay or something um but san antonio is a very superstitious city i think even out of a lot of texas cities mm-hmm. there's just like a, a culture of spiritualism and like everyone thinks that every place is haunted and there's like an active belief in like curanderos and you know like, yeah so it's just a thing. And so have you had a limpia then? No. No? <laughs> no. No no one has a huevo like I have I have I don't think I have, but my my great aunt was known for giving the evil eye and really? she killed a horse. Like that's the same. <gasps> she killed a horse? Yeah. She like she 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 gave the evil eye to a horse and killed it. <laughs> and so when people would introduce babies to her, she had to touch them because the family was like She'll kill your baby. She killed a horse. So that's hardcore. Hardcore. I know. Damn. Strong, hardcore women. That's what I. That's where I come from. Um, but I, speaking of like being queer in San Antonio, like I think I kind of escaped being bullied in high school because I also got a reputation for being a bit of a witch. And so like I remember senior high school, I was talking to this football jock. And I was like, hey, why does nobody bully me? I mean, I'm happy that you guys aren't, but like, why why is that? Why are you guys so cool with me? And he was like, oh, and the guy was like, I know I could kick your ass uh, if I wanted to, but I, I know that you would then put a curse on me, so I'm not going to. And I was like, huh. And so like, that's, and I think that only happened because of like, like the spiritualist belief of like Latin people that were in my high school. Yeah. So nobody picked on me because they were afraid I was gonna put a curse on them, and so they thought you were a witch. They thought I was a witch, <laughs> and it like it shielded me from I think a lot of like um, discrimination in oh a God. weird way. Maybe you are a witch. Maybe <gasps> I'm a witch. Chris Garza la bruja. <laughs> la bruja. Yeah. Bruja Garza. Interesting. <laughs> oh, wow. that's just really nice. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> Bruja Gatasa is in the house. Yeah, and Don't so I think 
Don't mess with this bitch. Don't mess with this bitch. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's what's going on. I, I think that that's a very much a kind of story. Yeah, of interesting. My, and then I also remember like, I don't know, like there's so, so specific things I think about, when I think about being queer in my childhood. And I remember like in middle school, there would be these like machismo like dudes who, and I was also a bookworm, I was very smart. Right, so I was kind of like an A student in, in all the advanced classes. Mm-hmm. And I remember this kid in middle school, I don't remember his name, um, he came up to me and I was like, hey, um, I'll let you suck my dick if you do my homework for me. <gasps> and I would get that, like, instances like that all the time, not all the time, but like enough to be like, oh, no, thank you. And I would just like be weird and like shuttle away because like, how do you... Well, how do you respond How do you respond that? to that, right? I mean, like, unless you really... Yeah, get down on your knees. No. <laughs> I don't know. Like so, like, and I so I remember instances like that. Like, wow, um, it's like we, it's like you live near the airport because, like, seriously, <laughs> so the airplanes, all of the airplanes, just, so all the airplanes, yeah. they fly over power horn. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, it's okay because just to let everyone know, we're inside Chris's apartment and we have the windows open because it is hot as fuck. So you know. <laughs> So we're, you're going to have to excuse the noise. So there's going to be some aviones passing by. <laughs> it's fine. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah. you're not really a witch, because if you're a witch, you would make all this disappear. I could try. I haven't uh, tried. Think about it. <laughs> try it. Try it out. Try it out. Try it out. I'll get a candle. Hold right. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Did, did, your, did your grandmothers like candles? And like was that a thing of your youth? No. Um, I mean, I guess they're a little... Uh, there was a little bit of that. Um, I mean, my mom had a whole shrine in the kitchen mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. Virgen, you know, mm-hmm. like, so that was, that's, I mean, but that's pretty common, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and of course there was like numerous crosses, like all over the house. Yeah. My dad's mom, like that grandmother, she used to say, you know, you need to be good. And if you don't, I'm going to stop praying for you. And she would like threaten <laughs> Because like she had a she had a, she had an altar in one of her rooms and she would like pray every day yeah right, you know religiously, and she was like yeah if you if you if you fuck around too much I'm gonna cut you out of my prayers and she would like damn she also told people that if you didn't make your bed you would sleep with the devil <laughs> that's what I remember of her oh, if only that were true <laughs> <I know. laughs> untuck the sheets I'm hello the devil. Sheet. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. But that is interesting though, because I mean, like for me in high school, like no one ever was that vulgar to me, oh, you yeah. know? Um, but why do you think that is? Like, I don't know. Um, I also, this I feel so like high school, high school gossip e. but I remember there's also this, so my high school had uh, a trade school option attached to it. So you could go to high school and then you could get accepted to this program in junior, senior year, and become, at the end of high school, you'd graduate with a high school degree and a cosmetology license. Mm-hmm. So there was, like, some girls in particular that would, like, go through, and then, like, they would graduate high school with a license, and they would go cut hair. And mm-hmm. that was, like, a thing that my high school offered. Yeah. And there was one gay dude, I think their name was Sammy, and they were, like, like, you know, this is, uh, I went to high school in the, like, late 90s. I graduated at 01, and I think they graduated 2000 or 99 or somewhere in there. 
And, like, they were, like, full-on, like, makeup to fam. And, like, they would, like, go through school that way. It's, like, everyone knew that they were gay mm-hmm. and they, there was no sort of, like you know, a uh, closet mm. for Sammy or the yeah. school. Yeah. Um, and I think about, like, why it wasn't Sammy, like, bullied or beat up or whatever. But it's because Sammy was blowing or, like, had a relationship with, like, a gangster. Because, like, I grew up in the ghetto. So, like, there were gangs in my school. Mm-hmm. So, like, he had a relationship with someone in a gang. And so then he was protected by, like, that dude. Oh, okay. And, and, like, that was, just like, the, the secret door on the street, and everyone, like, knew about it, but, like, no one... Like, they didn't go to prom together, but, like... But everybody knew about it, everybody, though, yeah. even, like, his gang. Yeah. And his gang was okay with it? Yeah. What? I know, wild. Wow. And I don't know why... The, I think he was... I think at the time, he was just, like, the biggest, baddest dude, so, like... So, I, or th- I think if... I think, in my... I think, if you were to be, like, hey, yo... I think his name was Homer... I was like, which is funny. His name was Homer. I think his name was Homer, yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, hey, yo, like, are you fucking Sammy? He would, like, kick your ass. And so you wouldn't ask him. Right. But everyone, like, knew. But, like, no one. Lo que se ve no se pregunta. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My God. Interesting. And so, like, there were, there were threads like that in my high school or, like, growing up. Yeah. So for me, queerness was always around. And, like, for me, in my... Uh, family, I was never, I wasn't the first out gay person. I have an, an aunt and an older cousin who like came out decades before me. And so like, it's never been a thing for mm-hmm. me. And I really, I'm lucky in that way. So like for me coming out was never a, yeah. uh, I was never worried I was going to get kicked out. Cause I was like, Aunt Sylvia's a dyke. She's a big old dyke. You know, so like, I'm going to be fine. Right. My family can contain another huh. homo. When did you come out? Oh, I came out. So I came out around well, like high school, senior year. Even though like I, even though I I say I didn't have a fear, I for sure was like I'm gonna come out when I go to college because then like if yeah. there is a blow up, if there is, yeah, like I'm safe. Yeah, I'll be gone. I'll be gone. Yeah. And <laughs> this is ah whatever. Um, my mom caught a porn like a porn in the history of my my family's computer (laughs) so she like confronted me on it and i was like yes i'm gay this was like the summer after i graduated high school and throughout high school i think i told my siblings and all my friends knew and at the time i was like i'm bisexual Um, yep that's a lot of us go through that the gateway (laughs) coming out story right um and i but when my mom asked me so bluntly summer after high school i told her like i'm gay and she said, no, you're not, you're bi. And I was like, uh, I feel, I feel pretty gay. And she was like, no, because you've had a girlfriend. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Because that's just kind of my mom's yeah. MO. She, mm-hmm. she knows you even if you don't know you. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. it could be anything like, I like strawberry cake. No, you don't. Okay, well, I thought I did. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. all right. <laughs> and so, so I, yeah, I've been out ever since high school to select and then by the time I went to college yeah super out yeah like it's on my business card hello <laughs> hello I'm gay yeah, hello. nice to meet you <laughs> nice to meet you so you went from bruja to gay yeah, cool. yeah yeah I think it's related you know yeah yeah I can see that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean like it has been said that like queer people are magical so mm-hmm. I mean like that's where it comes from yeah totally so we're all brujas really yeah oh cool there that's good to know <gasps> bruja yes um, but so 
talking about going back to how you said you you know you were like a straight A student going mm-hmm. to you know all the um, you know you were going to all the smart kid classes what, are, mm. what were they called advanced placement advanced placement yes. I was also part of gifted and talented oh look at you so fancy mm. you already know <laughs> um but talking about that because we talked about this like last week mm. about just how we used college to get out to move away yeah because part of that conversation was uh i just went to texas in july to visit family and i visit my friends there and some mm-hmm. from high school yeah and every time i visit i'm always like how did i how did i get out like how did mm-hmm. why why are you here uh, how am i here like how did we escape um uh, escape sounds so it sounds so drastic or like dire but you know what I'm saying like it's but it's it, tough because there's so but many but it was fun. though yeah <laughs> it know? was I mean it was it's not necessarily that it wasn't I mean it was an escape and it sounds drastic but I mean like we weren't we weren't surviving for we were right you know yeah and like also like there's so much familial expectation yeah. right and I and I think that's for a lot of people but I feel like especially so for uh, Latino peoples is that you know you take care of your parents and you don't move far away and you send money when you can and you know mm-hmm. like there's all this pressure uh, to kind of live into that and so I'm like how did I how did I not and then like just think when I whenever I go back and I drive around my high school and I just think of all the people there that like you know um, for a lot of people in my high school military was the way out like that's how they yeah. were able to mm-hmm. same not do whatever. And I also think, like, so many of my people that I went to high school with, like, so many of them had, like, kids in high school or right after high school, and, like, they got trapped. Not trapped, because I don't think, you know, that's their life, and I don't I don't know if they would say they're trapped, but they got saddled, is that a better word? Saddled with, like, a family at a young age that they, yeah. they, that they then had to support. Um, and one thing that we're talking about is that I think some of the reasons that helped me not follow that kind of statistical path of, you know... Uh, high school diploma, you know, working job, family, whatever, is the fact that I'm gay and that I didn't knock anyone up in high school because that's what you did. You know, there was a a season, you know, like homecoming, because I'm I'm from Texas, right? Mm -hmm. We're from Texas. There's a big football push there. And I remember there'd always be this, like, kind of announcement wave of, like, oh, all these people are pregnant because of the football games in the fall, you know, like, this kind (laughs) of, like... Yeah. cycle that would happen yeah wow yeah did your school did your high school have a daycare mm. no did yours yeah my high school wow. had a daycare um and then at one point there was there was like a daycare like near the high school and then they just had a contract with mm-hmm. that so i mean it yeah there was there was a few um young moms in my high school um and it just it was it was a thing you know mm-hmm. it wasn't like, it wasn't really a big deal at mm-hmm. some point. It was just, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. Some girls got pregnant. Which, of course, I mean, there was some judgment from, like, some of my peers. Like, oh, like, you know, they made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I never felt that way. I mean, you know, things happen. Like, shit happens. Also, like, we're young. Like, you know. Yeah. We make choices. Sometimes they're not the best, but we make choices, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I was actually really happy that my school was like willing to take you know to make the extra effort no that's to, incredible yeah because yeah because like you know high school is tough enough and then if you have like 
economic responsibilities to your family or whatever. Mm. Like, and then just to have a kid, I can't, I, have, I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. How difficult that is. Yeah. Which, I mean, I did feel kind of, I was a little jealous actually because like, and the way I say this is, uh, or I want to say this is that my high school provided support for mm-hmm. pregnant girls, but they provided zero support for mm. queer students. Oh, sure. You know, so yeah, I yeah. was a little like, okay, well, what are you going to do for me? You're going to like, mm-hmm. let me like go through high school being bullied. Cause I was bullied in high school a lot. Yeah. Like I would walk down the hall and I would get cat called and like, you know, I, you know, people would whisper all these things or, or like I would pass by somebody and like some guy would talk to, would tell this other guy like, Oh, I viene tu novio. And I'm mm. like, and then of course I'd be like, Oh, para nada. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, if you're going to insult me, at least, you know, like do better. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I think, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me too. How, like how the, like, what you're like, like the bully, like the bullying, the, like the closest I got to bullying was like, yeah, like teenage boys kind of making advances, but like, mm-hmm. and it's also in all, in like what, what, uh, what the pop culture would now call like no homo, right? But there's this idea that like they can use you, take advantage of your body, or like make these advances to you, but then still maintain all of their straight privileges, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that's always very like fast. Fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, or like unfortunate. So like, there's yeah, there's the idea of like, like no, like you can, like you know, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, if you blow me, like I'm cool and yeah, whatever. Like I think that also adds to like the queer community, or I would say like the queer men's like fantasy of the, the straight boy fantasy. Oh, I know, you know, so toxic. It is beyond toxic. I mean, I went through it. We all, Actually, yeah. I think I'm still going through it. There's some guys out there that I'm like, oh yeah. God. Um, but yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. But the thing is, like, why, though? Like, and without naming names, I mean, you tell me stories all the time of, uh, like, straight married actors or people in the town that uh, yes. are kind of gross in this, like, yeah. you know, overly flirtatious mm-hmm. way. And I'm like, what, like, how, like, what is that? And how is that? And of course, it's all about, like, power and, mm-hmm. you know, um... I mean, a lot of it is repressed emotions, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, since I am so queer and I'm so comfortable with myself, Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes, like, these men just feel like they want to be part of it, you know? But at the same time, keep their distance, you know? Maintain maintain all their privileges. Yeah, exactly. Disruption and, you know, they won't move down a a social peg. Right. They just want to, like, flirt with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like... It's like you're you're it's like you're an elaborately decorated cake and they're just like <laughs> dipping their finger in an icing. And it's like it's it's not to make you an object, but like it's that kind of like yeah, gross, like it is gross. But I, I mean like that's the thing that. though, they are making me an object though. Yeah. Like they totally. really are. Mm-hmm. Um and actually just me and you talking about this right now, I'm like, oh my god, I've been objectified. <gasps> yeah. What? You're a fancy cake and they're just like <gasps> I am fancy cake. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Revelations happening in this <laughs> conversation. Ugh, God, yeah. I hate my life. Just kidding, I don't. It's wonderful. Yeah. But like any, yeah, but going back to bullying and like, but any sort of like bullying that I faced as a kid was always tinged with that also mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. invitation mm-hmm. of like desire in this weird way. Yeah. What do you think screws with you? You oh, know, like, God, yes. like, I remember talking, I mean, when I was in my early 20s, I remember talking a lot about, like, 
the idea that some men that I desire are also like threatening to me, right? I'm like, oh, what a beautiful man. And this is like, you know, because you and I grew up, uh, we were teens around like Matthew Shepardy times. Like, mm. like uh, street violence was like a, gay yeah. bashing was like a common, bigger, yeah. like, you know, the norm. Mm. And so there's always this idea. So like when we were teens, this idea of like, oh, like, you know, I kind of like you and like maybe I show you somehow, but then maybe you beat the shit out of me. Yeah. And so like, yeah. like a desire is wrapped up in this kind of like danger, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, and that's all very coded. And so I think for some of these boys, they might have been curious or more on a spectrum of desire, but mm-hmm. they couldn't overtly show it. So they did it through threats. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. This got dark. I know, <laughs> but it's important though that we're yeah. talking about this though because it's a it's a thing that happens. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a dangerous thing that happens. We we literally are flirting with danger all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, I was uh, uh I was going through one of my you know those like how people sign yearbooks and they write little messages or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't buy a yearbook, but my senior in high school, I bought this blank book from like Barnes and Nobles. And uh, I had people sign it, and I was going through it a couple months ago, like rereading what people had told me. And there was this one kid; uh, his name was Obed, uh, Obed Munoz, and um, he was attractive and whatever. And we kind of became friends senior year. And there was like a couple boys; he was one of them uh, that we would be very like intimate in class, like almost holding hands but not holding hands. And so what he used to do is he used to play with my ears and I never thought anything of it. And so we would be in class and I'd put like my head on my desk and he would like like rub my ears and like my earlobes oh, and like maybe my neck a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is like very, in hindsight, so sensual and flirtatious. Yeah. And like, I never thought anything of it and we were just kind of like, ah, we're friends, we're friends, we're friends. And then I was rereading what he wrote to me and he ended his like, you know, you know, uh, stay cool, nice to meet you, we became so close, like all that kind of like typical high school goodbye mm-hmm. nonsense. And at the and we took French, he and I took French together. Uh, that's where we met. And in the end of it, he wrote, voulez-vous coucher avec moi? And when I read it at the time, I was like, ah, oh, you're just making a little French joke. And then Heinz said, I'm like, oh, like this was like an overt invitation. Like, yeah, you asked me that in French and then you put your phone number and like, I was such like a, a dumb idiot though. Like, cause so much of my like, desire or like navigating the world as a as an entity is always like assuming that no one could be interested in me and so when i read that i was like oh whatever and then heights i'm like oh that was an invitation that you just totally didn't see yeah because of whatever because of your own personal insecurities yeah and because of the way the world is and because we flirt with danger all the time, We're yeah. all the time right and also because like in my mind like people get put in a straight bucket and as soon as yeah. they're in a straight bucket like that they are heterosexual i'm like got it you were in that bucket and I will yeah. never, mm-hmm. I will never dip into that bucket because I don't want to get my, I don't want to get punched or socially right. isolated or, yeah. you know, called out. And so like, right. if I can maintain a straight friendship and I will like, I will never do anything untoward because I don't, because mm. of that danger, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Wow. That's interesting because I also had this like crush in high school. I guess you, yours wasn't a crush, but I mean, I had a crush yeah. in high school and, um, like, yeah, there were moments, like, middle school, there were moments where he would, like, you know, he, he would walk me to class. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we would 
we would talk on the phone mm-hmm, like all mm-hmm. the time and I'm pretty sure there are moments there were some phone conversations where he would be really quiet I'm pretty sure he was masturbating <gasps> I know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, like, looking back at it now or thinking about it now, I'm like, why was he so quiet? Ew. Damn, if I would have (laughs) known. Yeah, but But that's the thing. Again, insecurities, though. And again, a relationship with this person would have never happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember we were friends up to, like, senior year. Not super close, because we kept, like, drifting apart as years went by. And, like, he wrote... I ran into him one day... In you know at school or senior year and he was like oh can I sign your yearbook and I was like oh um sure so like I let him sign my yearbook and he wrote in like my yearbook like I wish we were as close as we were in middle school and I was like bitch like I was like that when I was like fuck you I was so mad I was so mad he wrote that like uh, we no longer speak mm. like I added him on Facebook or I tried to he declined which says a lot. <laughs> so I was like, whatever. I'm done with him. I'm over him. However, like, it sucks that, like, thinking about, like, my relationship with him, mm-hmm. how, you know, these guys just want to be my friend. I'm still going through that shit now. Right. Well, it's like, just, yeah, because those early, early things, that's how we build our patterns, right? Yeah. And that's how we're like, okay, this is how the world works. And so then we... We take that example, we learn it as truth, and then we, like, move on, and we're like, oh, this is how it works. Yeah. And so, and it's also comfort for us, right? Like, those dysfunctional patterns and relationships become comforting, because mm-hmm. that's what we know. Yeah. And so we relive and reenact, and now we can start about theater. Like, why do we... <laughs> Theater's all about the reproduction of a, of a story. Yeah. To make sense of it, you know? Damn, just talking about it, I'm like, oh my god, history is repeating itself. Like, mm-hmm. these are the relationships that I end up with. Like, mm-hmm. yes. Since the beginning. <gasps> ah. <laughs> Why are we having this conversation? Now I'm like, ah. Wow, rage. though. Yeah. Rage. <laughs> yes, the queer rage. Um, but I mean, a lot of it is because of like toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, men are afraid to like show their be vulnerable, be vulnerable, show their emotions because that's what we're taught. We're as Mexican men, we're taught like that's not how we that's not how we operate. We're mm-hmm. not supposed to show our emotions, mm-hmm. which it's I mean it's toxic. It's you know concerning because especially like the way things are going now in politics. Like I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like how does like how do we how do we change this? <laughs> like, how do we change this about our community? Um, how do we get rid of machismoism, Chris? Well, I, I guess <laughs> I guess we could like be the change tour. You know, like how start in our families and have that ripple out. Um, so, like, I'm thinking like like when I think like machismo, like so I'm like, okay, like what is the like the the figure that is you know like a man to me? And oh, for many mm-hmm. people, I think that's like you know. Uh, your father if they're in the picture and so I was like but I don't consider my dad necessarily like super much he's small like he's not like a banger chest man but like but he is very uh, reserved he's very quiet he's very you know um, like my I, I love my dad but like my childhood with my dad was he was very uh, quiet and not around I mean he was around but he just he didn't like talk to you and it wasn't until I was like a 
high schooly, collegey person that I was able to like actually talk to him. Yeah. And some of that is because you know, maybe it's maybe it's from sort of like kid fear because in my household like you didn't want to upset your parents and then if you upset your dad like he was banking you know so like, mm-hmm. he was always kind of like figure of like violence and I think yeah. about that often like how that could be woven into like my the fabric of like how I interact with men or whatever so mm. just being like danger right yeah um and so yeah like I wonder like about is there a way in my interactions with them now that I could start to like undo the machismo ness and like hug him more just like just tell him I love him or uh, I think about this with my, my nephews, like, uh, I never t- try to regulate their emotions, you know, like, if they're upset or sad, I'm yeah. like, you can be sad, and that's okay, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then hopefully, but, like, I'm only one voice in their heads, and, like, they live in a culture, and, like, they they have other uncles or yeah. family members that are, like, you know, boys mm-hmm. don't cry sort of yeah. things, you know, and so, like, yeah. how can you balance that out, mm-hmm. and it's hard, but I think... I think the, a place to start is in the close relationships you have around you. Yeah. Yeah, because it, ha- it happens to me still. Like, there'll be a voice in my head that I'll be like, oh, no, no, no. That's some nonsense gender stuff. Like, don't listen to that or, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. Don't subscribe. Unsubscribe. Yeah, don't give in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is one thing that I have been dealing with uh, the past year. Um, just um, realizing that I'm non-binary so mm-hmm. <clears throat> realizing that i don't really feel male i don't feel female mm-hmm. i feel like something in between but yet i don't have the need to like i to like identify it like i don't want to like label it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but it's just um like for the longest time I was scared to embrace my femininity mm. and for the longest time I thought I was trans and I, I, I talk about this a lot because I was so feminine that mm. I was like well I guess I, I guess that's what I guess that's what it is I'm yeah I'm a woman but just <laughs> you know just as time went by I'm, I'm like no I'm not I'm just I'm just super femi and fabulous you know yeah. but also like started to embrace like my masculinity um and it's weird because I had a professor in college that, because um, he, you know, when I would, when I was an actor, like, that was one of my main issues. I was always acting mm-hmm. too feminine for these, like, masculine roles. Mm-hmm. And he even told me, you know, it just takes age. Um, as you get older, you're, you become more masculine. And I was like, what? That makes sense. <laughs> but, like, the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, actually, that kind of does make sense in a way. Mm. Like, I feel like I'm more masculine now than I was when I was younger. Yeah. But yet, now I don't identify as a male, so it's just, like, the whole thing. Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Huh. I mean, I mean that, that's, that's another sub-conversation there, is, like, the theater industry or acting teachers and all this the stuff they tell you to be like, you know, oh, you'll never make it unless you're whatever, 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 you know? Uh-huh. Like, I have friends that are, have been told, like, they're, they're, they're phenomenal people. It's like, oh, but, like, you'll never work in this business professionally until you're 40. And then, like, your voice and the way you carry yourself, and then you'll be, then you'll be this, like, hardened 40-year-old woman. And, like, that's, yeah. that's your niche. That's your yeah. character, you know? Yeah. Like, you'll never be the, like, Juliet Ingenue. But when you hit 40 or 60, like... Then you'll have a career. That's when you'll make it big. Oh my right. god! Wow. Yeah, 
you know, because, like, yeah, there are certain people, right? Like, there are certain character, act- character actors in particular, character actors in particular, like, you mm-hmm. need to be the, like, grizzled old cop or, you know, whatever, you right. know, and, then, and that's yeah. your shtick and that's what you do. Yeah. And, like, um, Rachel Chofkin gave that Tony speech that talked about, like, how the lack of representation in theater and how it's just a problem of imagination and a business that's job it is to be creative, you right. know? exactly. And I feel like, like, why can't when you, uh, in, like, imagine a world when you were uh, in college taking acting classes and you were playing these men characters. Mm-hmm. If they were like, the way you're doing it's perfect. Like, you don't have to pretend to be more masculine. Like, yeah. get to the emotional root of who this person is. Right. And, act that yeah as opposed to like putting on some sort of drag of, like, right old man. <laughs> drag of a man yep and that's and that's what we're trained to do as actors yeah you know like like especially like me being like you know like mainly feminine i was mm-hmm. trained to put on this like masculine costume Posturing. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which didn't work. <laughs> so I guess that's why my career didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's why I stopped doing theater, to be honest with you, because I, there really isn't a place for me the way the industry is now. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's the argument, well, like, you know, be the change. Yeah. Because it's like, ugh. Cause I want to. Yeah, because it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. It's exhausting. Because you know, mm-hmm. there are some, like, radical little balls of hope out there, like, you know, like, Billy Porter doing the stuff that they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and like wearing yeah. gowns to the Oscars. Yeah. Like, like that's all great, you know. So like, maybe just more of that. But it's a, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, it is. Um, but talking about representation, like, it, it really does matter, mm-hmm. um, especially nowadays. Um, I just because every because of everything that's going on, like you know, the El Paso shooting, mm-hmm. all the ice raids. Um, mm-hmm. I just. I feel that it, representation is even more important and like the c- correct representation mm-hmm. um, because stereotypes really are harmful. And I think stereotypes is a big reason why a lot of like a lot of Americans feel a certain way towards the Latinx community. Mm-hmm. And um, like, how does one fix this? I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of hatred going on right now and it's just it's just really we live in a very scary time um where i just like i i'm at a loss of words actually just talking to you about this now um but focusing on the good though chris garza what has been good to you lately oh um well, I I just visited my family and that was really you know good and it's nice to it's always nice to be back and see them, um, and I don't want to like sweep them away with the thing I'm gonna say next, but I feel really good about Minneapolis and the community here and like catching up with people like you and other like friends, because yeah. um, uh, I have a lot of this <laughs> this will sound what. It, Gloaty, maybe, but I, I have a lot of friends, and I, I appreciate that. So, like, right now, there's Fringe, and as much as I hate the kind of um, performative circuit that is theater, you know, like, when you, whenever mm-hmm. I see a show, uh, I'm never just, like, a person, like, at a grocery store. Like, I have to be on 
to yeah. some extent, you know, and I yeah. have to be ready to be like, oh, hi, mm-hmm. how was your project? Oh, my God, yeah, how are your tomatoes or whatever? Like, mm-hmm. some like I need to, like, be personable and nice and right. slip in some personal fact to show someone that I know someone and then also, you know, yeah. and it's exhausting, right? But, like, yeah. also, it's kind of, like, great and wonderful that, like, we go out to a friend or the Guthrie or whatever and like you see all these people and you're like oh that's right like I, I know all these people yeah and that's a nice comfort I'm really me. popular I'm so popular <laughs> it's, it's a burden but it's also a comfort that's what I'm saying right now because that's the asshole that I am but there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with being popular yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I also it took me a long time to not um to kind of accept that because like I used to always be like oh like we all know lots of people and then my friend's like no Chris you know a lot of people I'm like yeah no we all do like no Chris you know a lot of people mm-hmm. so so yeah so right now I'm living up summer um because winter is coming as we all know yeah winter is coming it's ridiculous but why do we live here why do we live here all right because theater <laughs> well that's what brought us here but you and I aren't that much in the I mean not anymore but right. <laughs> like because, I mean, like, San Antonio, like, was there, like, a big theater? No. Yeah. No. El Paso. I mean, El Paso had the school, like, the El Paso, mm-hmm. or UTEP, mm-hmm. uh, the university, because El Paso had the dinner theater. And then they had, like, the El Paso Playhouse. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much, like, where you would, that's is, all you could do. Is the Playhouse, like, a touring spot, or is it local? No, it's work? a local. Okay. It's, like, this, like, small little, like, stage. Yeah. Um, it's cute. And, like, they really do good work. I mean, well, I haven't been to a show, like, in years. But years ago, they did really good work. It's just, I wanted more. Yeah. You know? And, like, do you, do you feel like when you go home, like, do you get judged for that, for wanting more? Mm. Yeah, I think, um... Yes, I think my family's very supportive and they're very like happy for me and they it's a funny this is this is weird and melancholic but like there's a weird thing that happens when I visit them I often get a lot of like oh we're so proud of you you're living your dream uh, and then that puts like a weird guilt in my head I'm like is this a dream <laughs> like is this is this and like, that's just like the ongoing you know conflict the internal conflict of an artist is to be like am i successful and like yes i did this but what am i doing now and you know yeah it's you're only as good as your next gig and so i feel guilt I, they don't try to guilt me but i feel guilty uh like not watching my nieces and nephews grow up or spending more time with my mom or my siblings you know like like i've cashed out on that sort of life for what i'm building here and i like my life here a lot but it, I, there's always a sense of a uh, uh, loss mm-hmm. you know in yeah. a way yeah. and I'm kind of like stuck now so like say say I finish out my lease and then I move back to Texas to like live with my family I'll now be like achy and sad of Minnesota and all the the creatives here and my friends and so so I've kind of like painted myself in a little corner and I I don't think I would do anything differently but I maybe wish because when people tell you stuff and when you're a teen and like they give you all this life advice and you're like whatever like, <laughs> I'm not gonna listen I know it all right. I do wish someone would have been like hey yo if you if you build a life somewhere else you'll be split in half yeah um, and, and maybe I would have made all my choices the same um, yeah. but I think I think I think now I feel guilt internally I think what you're talking about the judgment I think that happened when I was 
leaving there mm-hmm. was a lot of sense like oh you think you're too good for here yep. and yep. oh you just want to be white or you yep. know yep that was that was that was my experience. Everybody was like, "Oh, you're you're abandoning your mm-hmm. family. How could you? How could you? They need you." Yeah, I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then yeah, you want to be white. You want to be that, white. You want to be white. Yeah, that is that is real. I got that a lot from uh, like high school, like 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 that kind of like peer, like mm-hmm. oh, you know. Yeah. You're going to Minnesota with all the white people, and because you yeah. want to be white, I'm like, okay, yeah. I don't think that's what's happening (laughs) but they don't know what's also like doing theater oh because doing theater is useless right was useless (laughs) yes to them it's useless but to them it's also just a white thing like it's like mexicans don't mexicans don't act they don't do theater i know let's let's read some cherry moraga come on let's do it (laughs) like i just remember like when i started take when i was singing a lot in el paso like all of a sudden like People were like, oh, you should become a mariachi singer. And I was like, no. <laughs> like, Did you know that I was a mariachi? You were a mariachi? I was a mariachi. No, Shut up. It is a closely held secret that I don't tell lots of people. I was. Well, a... now you're telling everyone. I'm not a <laughs> uh, Yeah, I was a mariachi. I, from like fourth grade, like fifth grade, like I picked up a violin. And I, w- I joined a youth group and we would perform... That's another weird thing about my my childhood is a, uh, I would perform at like downtown bars on the Riverwalk, which is like into San Antonio. That's like a the downtown spot where all the tourists go. Uh, every weekend throughout high school, and I stop. I quit the mariachi, and I would perform like quinceañeras and uh, weddings and funerals. I've been to so many funerals as a mariachi player. Oh, um, so I have like a very slanted perspective, I think, as an adolescent, and. Um, I wasn't like famous, but I was all, like I would go places, and then people would be like, "You sang to my sister in her quinceanera," because I was this little kid and I had a solo love song um, that I would sing, and so I would sing it to women, and I would like get down and like kneel and like this like little middle school. Really? Boy. Yeah. Oh my god! And so what I was kind song? of a hip- it was Abre Corazón, um, and so it wasn't anything like famous, but like you know, like you know. And so, like, people would be like, you sang to my song? So I'd be like, oh, yeah, hi, blah, blah. And so, like, I was a little, like, local favorite. Um, and I did that all throughout middle school and most of high school. But I quit the mariachis because I was... To um, become a bruja? To become a bruja. <laughs> to lean into my witch. <laughs> my witchdom. Um, no, because cause of school. I was like, I can't be out all weekends and weeknights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, when I would perform um, Mother's Day... I wouldn't go to school Friday or Monday of Mother's Day weekends because I would, we would rent a van mm. and we would just do uh, serenatas like all day for like 15 minute little performances for all the mothers. Oh my like, God. And I would like sleep in the van and like just like be touring San Antonio and like it was like a rack. It was like this, and we would rake in like thousands of dollars from like charging all these like families a 15 minute you know yeah. we'll sing Las Manitas we'll sing this we'll sing that mm-hmm. you know and... so you basically had a job being a mariachi singer yeah wow um, I never knew that about you yeah because I keep it a secret and so so that happened and it was just too many nights and weekends and the more I was doing tougher academics I was like I can't do both so I quit being a mariachi player uh, I won awards um, I performed for Marachi Vargas and like they picked us as like the, like the local favorite band so wow. yeah it's this whole other thing that I used to do um, 
So you used to wear like the outfit. That yeah, you need to I, pants I had a faje and I, I had two, uh, one with, um, you know, gals, the little metal things. Mm-hmm. And I had one with Greca, which is a embroidered whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, that was one of the main reasons why I never became a mariachi singer. Because I was like, the outfit. Because especially because <laughs> at the time, I was like... A little chubby. Yeah, I was like 400 pounds. Uh-huh. You know, so can you imagine me in those like tight-ass pants at 400 pounds? I've, <gasps> I've seen it. They're mariachi players. They're 400 pounds. That's true. No judgment. They probably would have made you play the guitaron. The, the, the big... To like... hide everything. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the big boys do. They play the, the big bass. <laughs> Yeah, that makes me a little sad. <laughs> yeah, but I would have probably wanted the violin. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a that's a weird thing that I did, and yeah, I did that all throughout middle school and high school, and then I stopped. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You yeah. could have been the next big thing. You could have been the next Pedro Fernandez. I could have been. But maybe. no, no. You wanted to be a bruja, and, <laughs> and I went to college. Yeah, and then you went to college. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And how was college? Oh, uh, oh, Rocky. It was really, um, it was kind of a, it was good. I mean, I like, I went to McAllister. Mm-hmm. I like it there. I'm glad I went. I think it's really informative. But it was, uh, it was a lot of well-intentioned liberal people mm. doing, doing some nonsense. Like, I remember I was, I almost got a minor in women's and gender studies. And there was this one class that I was taking uh, in that department and this woman came up to me and said like hey do you feel tokenized being the only person of color in this class and i was like now i do <laughs> like I, said, <laughs> I didn't really think about it until you pointed it out thank you yeah so there was like some instances of that kind of thing um but also like i made five incredible friends that i still see and you know like so it's 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 both like i found my people there but it was sometimes just rough being in this place of nonsense Mm -hmm. Um, yeah mm -hmm. yeah what was it like living in white society (laughs) (laughs) um i mean we still live in white society but i mean let's talk about the beginning of it like how was that how was the culture shock? I didn't have too much culture shock. I mean, like, for me, there's always a sense of, like, like food is always the, like, longing, mm-hmm. you know, like, they'll, I, I have yet to find a tortilla that is a tortilla here, that, like, that, what I want it to be, mm-hmm. like, still to this day. Corn or flour? Both. Oh, both, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, like, I want my flour tortillas to be, like, a little bit spongy, mm-hmm. and a little, and with that floury grain, oh, no, there's Damn, a Damn, the plane. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> at the same time though I'm like I'm so jealous like people are leaving them oh yeah yeah uh, so I want you know like when you, when you, you know when you try to fill out tortilla and then like your 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 fingers get a little like dusty from them? yeah like that's oh. that's what I want and I've oh, never yeah. found that here yeah nope nope and then for the corn I want it to be a little thicker on the masa and a little also a little like if they're hmm. soft Mm-hmm. Kind of like a gordita like thing, but like not. It's like a little. So you want a thick corn tortilla? I want a thick handmade corn tortilla, which does I've not found. No, I haven't seen those here. Mm-mm. I mean, actually, there's this one where Los Ocampo has like, they call it a gordita, pero it's not. It's just like a flat. <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. a like a chalupa. Sort of? Kind of like yeah. it's like it just. I mean, it looks like a big lonche actually, huh. but it's like just giant flat bread oh yeah, yeah yeah i've never had it i know what you're talking about i mean it's okay but i want like a gordita you know mm-hmm. but of course like 
since I'm like vegan now, like you can't. Yeah. I can't. I mean, I could put like beans in it, but <gasps> it's not the same. It's not know? the same, no. And so, like for me, for me, culture, like, the, the food is always like the first. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. there's a certain things that I can't. Like uh, in El Paso, do you, do you guys have um, carne quesada? I think it's a very San Antonio specific. Like it's a very Central Texas no dish. So. Carne, there's carne asada, which is like, you know, just sautéed steak, you know, cubes. Oh, you mean carne asada? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's guisada with like a, a Q-U-I-S-A-D-A maybe? Yeah. And um, it's like sauté, it's like steak cubes, but it's in like a weird brown gravy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not common in all pasta, but yes, yeah, yeah. some restaurants had it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, if, like, you know, if I were to go to like, I don't know. Dallas, like that mm-hmm. doesn't exist in Dallas. Like, no. like it's like a, it's like a very specific regional thing. So like, there's certain mm-hmm. things I'm like, oh, like this yeah. only exists in this specific region, and I think it's because we're like German stewed beef and like Mexicans with their uh, uh, cumin like hit each other <laughs> and made a taco. <laughs> like, it's a very specific. Oh my god. Space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the culture shock for the food is always hardest. Um, I think, uh, maybe I struggle with this still to this day, but I think early on, I don't, in my 20s, which was such a shame because I was young, I don't think I ever felt beautiful here because, like, it's so white and so tall and mm-hmm. it's a specific kind of look that every, like, the gay scene in particular falls, and people are getting better now with diversity and representation and Mm. Uh, but I don't know, like, uh, when did you move up here? I moved, well, I mean, in Minneapolis, like, 2012. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, I know it's, it's, it's still a problem, but, like, I just remember early, early on just having all this, like, you know, white just to preference sort of things, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty common, but, uh, so am I correct in saying that you've never felt, like, exoticized, though? Oh, for sure. Okay, yeah, because I was like, like, really? No, 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 but, like, like, I feel like, but that's what, that's being made to an object as opposed to, like, someone to bring home. Like, no one, no one would look at me and be like, oh, boyfriend material. They're like, oh, you're a hot tamale. Yeah, You're a snack. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's the, the... So I think that wasn't good for my psyche in my early 20s. It's like somebody like yelling outside, like, shut up, we're doing oh, a yeah, podcast yeah. here. Yeah, I <laughs> that's the alley there. It's it's some exciting times. I'm like the old woman on the stoop being like, oh my God, what's going on? What's that? <laughs> um, no, but yeah, like, I, I, like we, we talked about this too, like, uh, like my dating profiles are all in English. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be some white dude that's like, hola. Uh, me I me gusta Latinos. I, <laughs> I hate it. Hate it. And so sure, when like, they talk to me in Spanish. Yeah. Like, like, sure, that happens, but... It happens all the time. Yeah. And I'm never rude about it. I'm always like, oh, you know, hi. <laughs> but, I'm, but deep inside, I'm like, just... Maldición. <laughs> Hombre <laughs> mugre, like you know, yeah. like I'm just like, ah. yeah, yeah. No, it's like that. That happens, mm. and I think, for better or worse, in the past, I don't know, three, five years, um, I almost exclusively, inter- when I when I entertain gentlemen, they typically have brown or darker skin. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's like me self-selecting those men out or if that's just who else I've fallen in, like, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely see the, 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 the color spectrum of Minnesota now oh, yeah. in my bedroom. But um, I mean, I'm going to flat out say it. It's hard to date white people. It's hard. It's to hard to be with white people right now. Yeah. Do you think do you think that's because of like where you're at personally or like where the culture as like the nation is at? Like. I think, I mean, I think it's a mixture of all of it, you yeah. know, um, where it's just a white person won't really understand what I'm going through, mm. you know? And mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing against them, of course. It's just, I just, right now I need somebody or I want to be with somebody that understands me at a certain level that they won't ever understand me at. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, it could happen. I could meet someone who Mm -hmm. happens to be white. I'm not, I'm not anti-white. It's just, I just... But that person would need a lot of, like, self-reflection catching up. I I don't, I I hate saying woke, but they would need a lot of, like... Oh, I hate that word, too. But, I mean, I know what you mean, though. They would need a lot of, kind of, like, critical racism stuff happening already. To be like, okay, like, I can navigate this. Yeah. And it's going to take a lot of education on, like... My part, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I would have to like edu- be educating this person constantly. Which yeah. do I want to do that? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if they're worth it, maybe, but yeah. all, like, I don't know. There was a funny when was it? I don't think it was Trump necessarily, but it was around that time, uh, in the election where a lot of my white friends would come up to me and ask me, like, how they should be the best white, you know, or like how. Like, like, oh, here's the situation. Like, am I racist? I'm like, oh, if I know, like, I'm not a white person, like, navigating that space. And, like, yeah. like they, they, they started, like, um, expecting me to do all this labor to help them yeah. be less internalized racism. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what's going on in your head. Like, I can, mm-hmm. I can tell you what's going through my head half the time. But, like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to be a good white person. Like, yeah. <laughs> Actually, the election, um, I... I broke, I broke up with uh, the guy I was with because mm-hmm. I was dating a white guy during the Trump election. Mm. And um, so and so funny because I don't really tell this story very often or mm-hmm. at all. But since we're talking about it, like the, the night of the election, he comes over and um, I mean, I, he comes over and like he's like, I just... I don't want to be alone right now. And I was like, well, yeah, me neither. Because, you know, mm-hmm. this is really scary. And instead of us watching the election together, like, I had... We were in my bedroom and, like, we were watching it on this, like, screen on the screen on one of, like, my iPad mini. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he gets on his phone and he starts, like, watching the results on his phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we can just watch it here. And he's like, oh, I just... I don't know. I just feel more comfortable watching it on my phone. And, like, as, like, it kept on progressing, he kept saying, like, stupid-ass shit. Like, mm. at one point he was like, oh, I know you don't want me to, I know you don't want to hear this, but I really hope so-and-so's okay. And he was talking about his ex-boyfriend. Because he, he's like, well, you know, he's he has all these, like, medical issues and, like, mm. I don't know how, like, you know, this is going to affect him. Mm-hmm. And then, like, later on, he was like, well, I guess I shouldn't worry that much because I'm white. And I was like, 
bitch, are you really telling me this? As I'm like, like mortified as to like right. what's going yeah. on. You're in the horror. Of yeah. It. And, the, and for them to be like, oh, yeah. I guess I'm okay. I'll be fine. I'll be okay because yeah. I'm white. And then the next day, you know, I was afraid to like leave the apartment because, you know, a lot of us were because mm-hmm. it was just really, I mean, it was it's, it's scary. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> Like he, that later on that day, I broke up with him. I was like, I can't do this. We're done. Mm. And like months later, I ran into him. Like I forgot where, and you know, he like pulled me aside and was like, you know, like I don't know what I did, but I'm like really sorry. Blah 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 blah. I shouldn't have said the things I said. And I was like, you know what? Like I don't care. It's just honestly, you don't get it. So we're done. Mm. And then that was that. And then, like, a year later, he, like, messages me and he's like, I know you don't want to hear from me, but I just, I've been, like, I've been thinking about, like, that night and I've been reflecting on myself and, and you're, and I just want to say, like, I was very, I was insensitive and, like, I shouldn't have said the things I said and, like, I know you, you said that I don't get things because I'm white. <laughs> and I was like... This bitch thinks I broke up with him because he's white. <laughs> and I was like, obviously, I was, so I was like, no, that is not why I broke up with you. Like, I don't judge people on their, you know, yeah. on their color. Like, that's just not who I am. I broke up with you because A, you're a moron. Yeah, you're thick-headed. I'm <laughs> thick-headed. And B, what I meant by you don't get it is you don't get the whole picture. Like, you don't. Yeah, because no one will ever understand your personal life experience because like you led your life right yeah you know people with similar life paths can get close but like i don't know your childhood yeah no my like you know yeah yeah but now this bitch oh it's because i'm white you broke up with me because i'm white and i totally understand and i was like (laughs) yeah no no we're done i can't so now like 2019 this is why i don't date white men (laughs) just kidding it's just but it's just, it's difficult. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Chris, we've been talking for a while now. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Now, before we end it, though, I love to end these podcasts with my guest being you, uh-huh. talking to the community. So oh. is there something that you want to tell the community? What do you want to tell the community? Like, how mm-hmm. do you want... What do you want to say? This is your opportunity to say something to your people. I don't have anything inspiring. I just want to say thank you for being your wonderful selves and um, doing shows and uh, just being brave out there because it's it's hard and scary, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that is the best about visiting home is you're surrounded by, like, all these brown faces. You're like, ah, that's right, like... Hello, brown people. Yeah. Um, so to my community that, that's here, I just want to be like, thank you for being so beautiful and brave and like walking the streets with dignity. And, you know, I'm not the most visibly brown. So I just want to be like, I see you. And well, I no, because we have no sun. No sun, I know. It's so hard. <laughs> just now I'm starting to be like, oh, there's your, there's your tan. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. And then like by November or October, mm-hmm. yeah. all gone like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you. That's what I have to say to my community. Fabulous. And this is coming from the Bruja herself. <laughs> Bruja Garza. Bruja Garza. Gracias. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> All right, Henry. Until next time. Bye.